Okay, we're talking forgiveness today. And if you are in the Red Letter Challenge book, um, technically I think today is day 13, but um, the gospel lesson for today is day 14, so we're going to kind of talk about the gospel lesson this morning. Um, There are no slides today. It's not that I didn't want to do slides, but um, we're talking forgiveness And the only way I can get you to think about forgiveness is to think about how you live it. How do you do forgiveness? Um, And there are no pictures for that. You know, it's something that is personal to each of us. Okay, this is how it begins. We've got little Kara and little Tommy. They're four years old. They're playing in the sandbox. And Karen has a plastic dump truck. And Tommy goes, whoa, I think I'd like that dump truck. So he scoops up a big handful of sand and hucks it right into Karen's face. Now, Mom is watching. And Mom comes over and gently lifts little Tommy up, maybe yanks him up and says, Tommy, what do you think you're doing? What do you say to Karen? Tommy doesn't say anything. He knows to keep his mouth shut. So Mommy goes over to little Karen and dusts the sand off her face and makes sure she's okay. And then she goes back to Tommy. Tommy, what do you say to Karen? Sorry. Sorry. And then she goes to Karen and says, Karen, what do you say to Tommy? And Karen says, I accept apology. And that's how we do it. That's how we learn it, isn't it? Tell me, how many of you, when you were a little kid, ever had your parents haul you in to somebody, be it a school principal, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, somebody where you just said something and made you apologize. Huh? Oh, yeah. We've had that experience. Did it do any good? No. I mean, what did little Tommy and Karen get out of that exchange? Tommy goes, yeah, I probably got away with something here. And what does little Karen do? She says to herself, I'm not ever going to trust this guy again, not for a second. And that's how we start learning about forgiveness. In the Red Letter book, it talks about stones. You know, now we don't stone anybody anymore, but we have emotional stones that little Tommy and little Karen, by the time they're in high school, if not a little later, are going to have a whole bag of emotional stones. And it's going to be stuff like name-calling, evil, hate, vengeance. Here's a good one. Getting even. Name-calling. Telling somebody else a lie about somebody to make them look bad. Whole bunch of emotional stones. 
Did you know you could stone somebody with emotions? That you could really hurt somebody with emotional stones? And I know you knew this question was coming, okay? How big's your bag of stones? How many emotional stones do you carry around? I remember I preached about forgiveness two, three years ago. And I had a guy who's about 67, I would say, come out the door and his fists were just clenched like this. You know, a little hard to shake hands at the door when your fists are like this. And he says to me, Pastor, I never forgot this kid in my junior year of high school. He made my life so miserable that I still remember him today. How many of you are carrying around somebody like that? Remember I had two guys out in the Narthex. They were about 70-some years old. They were brothers. And they finally, after 20 years, decided to start talking to each other again. And the really amazing thing, they couldn't remember why they were mad at each other. Okay, they just knew they should be mad. Or how many of us in our families have family members who can't be in the same room with each other? Or can't sit at the same table with each other? Forgiveness is a crazy deal. Let's look at the Bible for a minute. When it comes to forgiveness, who's the hardest person to forgive? It's yourself. It's yourself. You know, it's such great news that God died for us because it's 100% grace. And I mean, we can be just like the crowds in the New Testament. You know, we can go along. We can cry, crucify him, crucify him. We can shake our heads afterwards and go, that Jesus really was a pretty good guy. You know, why did we get involved with this? But when it comes to forgiving only, I know myself better than anybody else. But what's the good news of grace? that God has forgiven us completely. I mean, if I ask a little kid, what's the magic word for little kids? It's enough. You know, have I cleaned my room enough? Have I done enough homework? Have I done enough this and that? Because it's always a 60-40 deal or a 20-80 deal, but it's never 100%. And that's God's good news for us, 100% loved, 100% cared for, that he calls you his own. Now, in a sense, God has built a bridge from his life to ours, a bridge that can't be torn down, a a bridge that can't be changed, a bridge we travel over every day. But let's talk about the problem again. The problem is the bridges in my life are many times like Indiana Jones movies, okay? That I come out looking for the bridge and it's not there. At least I can't see it. And so what do I have to do? I have to trust God. 
I have to trust Jesus Christ that he's going to be there to walk over that bridge and be my bridge. Or how about those movies where you've got those rope bridges, a great big long rope bridge, and it's got those little boards on it that only hold 90 pounds, and so you know the next step you're going to go down, and of course there's always alligators down there, okay? <laughs> And then to top things off, you'll look back, and I'm halfway across the bridge, and here's some big guy with a machete hacking away at the bridge trying to kill me. And I need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ for all the things in my life that I can't do, that I need help with, to preserve me and keep me as a child of God. Two things I want to talk about with forgiveness today because this could be a seven-part sermon series, real easy. The first thing I want to say to you is forgiveness and forgetting do not belong in the same sentence. That just because you forgive somebody does not mean you're going to forget what has happened. Matter of fact, for some people, it is better to forgive someone and never see them again or to never deal with them or to have a very limited relationship with them. Forgiving does not mean things go back to the way they were. Forgiving means God rebuilds you, recreates you, restart you as a child of God. Let me give you an example. MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. MAD was started by three mothers whose kids were killed by drunk drivers. Does it make much sense to say to those mothers and fathers, oh, forget about it. Pretend it didn't happen. Pretend you never had that child. No. You never forget. Or how about Chad's Coalition? Anybody ever heard of that? They're down in South County. Chad McCord was an 18-year-old honor student. And Chad, not only did he have the brains, but he was an athlete, and he was very involved in his church. But his senior year in high school, Chad McCord became depressed. And he became so depressed that he committed suicide. Now, do you think you say to Chad's parents, oh, forget about it. We'll pretend that didn't happen. Uh-uh. His parents went out and formed an organization, I think these screened seven high schools now, for kids who are depressed, for kids so that they never take that suicide option. You don't forget. You forgive, you build, you renew, and God moves you on to different things in life. Okay, second thing I want to say about forgiveness is make sure you know what you're talking about, that you really understand the circumstances, and I'll bear my Christian confession right now. 
Back in 1992, I went to Lutheran Family to Children's Services, and part of that ministry was the Hilltop Child Development Center. We had 90 kids in that center, ages two to five. We had 13 staff and um, one custodian. Okay, and the 13 staff were all female. And it took me a little while to get used to being at Hilltop because we only had eight board members. And <clears throat> we'd have seven board meetings a year from six to eight o'clock at night. And when we ever had a board meeting, I always had a policeman sitting six feet behind me with a shotgun, okay, in case anything happened up there. It was not a good neighborhood. But I had been at Lutheran Family about a year and sat through a bunch of these board meetings, and I could never figure out why the staff made the amount of food they did to feed eight people. I mean, we would get up there and there would be a spread out there, the likes of which you could feed 40 or 50 people. And I thought, you know, there's just something going on here. And so anyhow, one night, I had to stay late and talk to the director. And as I get ready to leave, I notice all the daycare staff are leaving and they've all got goodie bags big old goodie bags of food that they're taking home. And I thought, well, I've stopped a robbery. <laughs> and me being me, I thought, I'll just go back in and talk to the director here and see what this is about. So I went back in. And I said, I want to talk to you about your employees taking food. You know, that's why the budget's so high. You gotta be analytical, you know? And she goes over and she closes the door. That's when I knew I was had. <laughs> Just, I knew this wasn't gonna be good. And she says to me, Alan, she says, those ladies, some of them have eight children in their homes. Their children, their grandchildren, kids from the neighborhood who've been abandoned and they take care of them all. And so that all that food that gets cooked goes home to those kids so that they can have a good meal once in a while. That's when I knew not to say anything because that's when I realized that we were feeding the working poor. Even worse, she says to me, by the way, and this is when you know you're gonna get it, okay? She says, Gee, by the way, Pastor Erdman, what's the mission statement of the agency? And I said, growing hope. And she says, you don't think we're living that mission by feeding all those kids and those families? Man, I walked out of there and I knew that there was no verbal apology on the face of this earth. No, I'm sorry, or I didn't mean it, or let's do this over, or let's pretend I'm not so stupid. The only way I could fix that was by living forgiveness. By living forgiveness 
till I retired in 2016, making sure they had enough to eat, that those people got paid a decent wage, that they had benefits, that they knew somebody cared about them, that somebody every so often had a loaf of bread and peanut butter and jelly for them to take home for their families at night. Living forgiveness. I'm going to close with this today. You should be happy. It's my birthday, and I could preach for 30 minutes. So, <laughs> Okay, I went out to Salt Lake City the end of July to see my sister and brother-in-law, my niece and nephew, and um, get out there, and my sister says to me, I've been watching this TV show, and you got to see it. Okay. So we start watching this show called Ted Lasso. Okay, okay, some of you have seen this, okay. And Ted Lasso is a run-of-the-mill football coach from Kansas who has an incredibly lucky year and wins, and he gets hired to coach a British soccer team that is a little down on its luck. And on top of it, the owner of the soccer team is actually trying to set him up um, because she wants to get back at her ex-husband, blah, 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 blah. So there's a point in the TV series where Lassau makes a big sign that says believe and puts it above the locker room door. And he gives his players the old believe talk. You know, believe in yourself, believe in each other, and we'll win. We'll win. Well, there's an antagonist in the show, and he takes the believe sign down and tears it up and leaves it on the table in the middle of the room. Three, four weeks later, they're in the middle of a soccer game, and it's halftime, and Lasso talks about the believe sign, that even though the believe sign is torn apart, it's not dead, and all of a sudden, his players start coming up with all these pieces. They take... They take a piece from their locker, a piece from a book, a piece from their gym bag. One guy's got a piece in his sock, and they put all the, sign, all the pieces of the sign back down. And all Lasso says is, if you believe, the sign comes together. Well, forgiveness. Forgiveness is what glues our lives back together every day. The love of God in Jesus Christ announcing you're forgiven, you're cared for, you're loved, you're known by name. And in a minute, we're going to pray and forgive us our trespasses, debts, sins, whatever version you want to use, and forgive those who trespass sin against us. Because then, when forgiveness is that glue of life that Jesus Christ gives us, kids, that's a red-letter day. That's a red-letter day. And there's nothing wrong with believing that we are red-letter people whom Jesus loves. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.